if anyone is a loyal reward customer at Starbucks, you probably have been hearing about it. I did. You know, Starbucks did it again in the past, in the month of December, there was uh, the Red Cup. Now, the reward programs. What happened? What, what happened to Starbucks? They, they just want to be on top of the news. But this news, this uh, little clip was in the Yahoo Finance part of the news. They were on the gossip and on Facebook, on Twitter, on the Wall Street Journal, everywhere. They were just talking about Starbucks' new reward system. I go to Starbucks once in a while, not a lot. But what is important here to know is that people that were loyal to go to Starbucks, they were not really loyal to follow the rules of the program. The program said that for every visit, every transaction, you were going to get two stars. And after 12 visits, you were going to have a free coffee. Well, guess what happened? People started to pay in one transaction, in one visit, different transaction. That means if I invite you for coffee, I will pay for my coffee, and I will pay for the other coffee in a different transaction. So I will have, instead of two stars, I will have four stars. So then, what happened? People were loyal to come, but not faithful to follow the rules. And finally, someone figured this out and said, well, we're still making money, but the rules are made to follow. And now we have it, a new reward program for people with integrity or without integrity. My name is Areli. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you are a guest, I welcome you. And as I open the word, I just want to pray. So join me. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you will speak to us through me this morning. I ask that your Holy Spirit will fill us and that we will have ears to hear you today, Lord. In your name, Jesus. Amen. What loyal means? Giving or showing firm and constant support to a person or institution. On the bottom says, faithful, true. It's just not showing up. It's being faithful to follow the rules that they are giving to us. So some of the people at Starbucks notice that and they make a judgment call and they change everything and now we need to wait all this time to get a free coffee. Never underestimate the power of coffee. <laughs> but today I'm going to talk about a reward program in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to start with a question. Would you agree with me that a picture is worth a thousand words, meaning it tells you a story. Here we have the kiss, 1945. It's a very, very old picture after the war that says a story, doesn't it? It can say, you know, uh, war isn't easy, love is worth waiting for, or I'm back, let's move with our lives. I don't know, but it says something to each of you. Here is another one, the man on the moon. This one from 1969, it says, that's one small step for a man and one giant leap for mankind. 
But the opposite is also true. A few words can paint a thousand picture, pictures, isn't it? If I say to you 9-11, your head is going to start spinning and going 100 miles an hour. You know exactly where you were if you are old enough to remember. If I said to you Super Bowl, then you're thinking about food and you're thinking about gathering people, the game just for the men. For the women, we are just here, you know, having when a few of you too. If I say summer vacation, you are going to start thinking about fun things and so on. If I say God the Father, you will start thinking about something. And for some of you, it will be a great picture, and for some of you, it will not be that great. What if I, if I said Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals? If you have, have experienced the Lord healing, then your picture is great. But if you have been praying about the same thing over and over again, then your picture must be different. So we talk about loyalty, not just showing up to a place, but following the rules. And then um, I ask you to picture, you know, and said how a picture can paint a thousand words. And now I'm going to ask you a question. What picture is painted in your mind when I say divine judgment? I mean, do you believe in a God who acts as a judge. We want to believe in a God that is all-sufficient, that is a healer, provider, that loves us. But a judge, I don't know about that. The ultimate, Old Testament, though, is, is packed with all these uh, moments when God is judging. And it starts with Adam and Eve and Noah and the flood. And we see him with Abraham and then Moses and the golden calf and God judge in Israel and Daniel time and you name it, they're all over the place. But it didn't end it there. Then we go to the New Testament and it's no difference. The judge who stands before the door, says James 5, 9. The judge, Jesus Christ himself, who will give Paul his crown, says 2 Timothy 4, 8. Jesus said that the Father had entrusted all judgment to the Son, in John 5:22. So are you with me? Let's explore the characteristics of a judge. A judge is a person with authority. In the modern world, we have separation of power. In the ancient world, the king was always the supreme judge. And in Bible world, God is both the lawgiver and the judge. A judge is a person identified with what is good and right. Here we have now in the United States waiting for the nomination of the new Supreme uh, Court Justice. Without that person, the court cannot do its job. And in the words of the great Chief Justice John Marshall for the one that loved history, the job of the Supreme Court is to say what the law is. The biblical judge is suspected to love justice in fair play, and he leaves no doubt that God loves righteousness and hates iniquity. A judge is a person of wisdom to discern truth. And there is a story in the Bible about this. There are two mothers that come in from of the judge, King Solomon. And I want you to turn 
with me first to 1 Kings 3, 17. I'm going to read 1 Kings 3, 17, New Living Translation. And it says this. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days after, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning, when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted. It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and it says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Then he said, cut the living child in two, and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the other woman, who was the real mother of the living child, <coughs> and who loved him very much, cried out, Oh no, my lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, All right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, Do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants him to live for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God has given him for rendering justice. Hmm. God in his wisdom is the one who searches the heart, and he is the finder of facts. We may fool men, but we are not going to fool God. When God works as a judge, we can see his character. We can he see his nature. It is called retribution. Giving people what they deserve. Reward good, good with good and evil with evil. When the New Testament speaks of the final, final judgment, it always uses the term retribution. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this early body. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, With a good God, with a God who didn't care about the difference between right and wrong, be a good God. Think about it. Moral indifference would be an imperfection in God, not a perfection. He is perfect. The final proof that God is a perfect moral being is the fact that he has committed his life to judge the world. The Christian view of judgment means then that history moves to a goal. Judgment means that in God's will, that at the end God's will will be perfectly done. So let's go back to the reward system. How many of you have something like this that carries all these little tabs 
in your key ring. What do you do with them? You go to the store, they are gonna scan it, they are gonna access your reward system, and then you're gonna get the points. And there is an app for that, so you don't have to carry all these things. So what do you do with them? Ah, uh, well, it collects these points. It collects um, your rewards. But let's think for a moment that there is only two. That in the kingdom of heaven, we only have two of these gizmos. And these two will open the whole reward system in our lives. And I'm going to explain those to you. If you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus the Christ, remember Jesus is his name and Christ is his title. Do you know that his teachings were all about the kingdom of heaven, the place where he came from and he, will re and he returned after paying a painful debt on the cross. So if you are his follower, you know that his teachings show us that there are two keys that determine everything about eternity. The first reward key is about your belief. If you are following in the insert, it's right there. The first reward key is about your belief. It unlocks the door to the reward of eternal life. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for you and you are ready to follow him just as John 3.16 or John 14.6 said and Rob talked about it a couple of weeks ago, then you know that this reward key will open the door for eternal life. Jesus is the only way to heaven, but we are not the only way to Jesus. He chooses to show himself in very different ways through the life on earth. So, um, I'm not afraid of where I'm gonna go when I die. I'm still afraid of the pain that probably I will endure as I get there, but not exactly where am I gonna go. That's, I got my reward card and I, it was open. So for me, you know, that's pretty much done. You know, I got to start right there. Um, Jesus called those things entering his kingdom. We are gonna enter the kingdom of heaven right here and right now. Um, in some Christian denominations, we hear the word confirmation, baptism, getting saved, accepting Christ. Jo you know what? Jesus never used those words. He said, entering my kingdom, where human beings make an intelligent decision and respond to an invitation giving. This invitation includes an amazing gift that gave us the opportunity to walk with God right here, right now, and see his face after we die. When I think about it and I realize that I can walk with Jesus right here and right now, I can only thank him and say thank you, Jesus, for saving me and because I can be a better person. I am a better you know, interpretation that I, I could be, if you believe that. <laughs> but I am a much better person. So I can only thank him for that. So if you are in this journey, and you're probably not understanding a whole big enchilada, you know, of this eternal life, that's okay. 
I'm going to ask you to do something. This is a suggestion. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let Jesus be who he is and not some other person that you think he may be. Because it's not. Jesus talked about things that they were very controversial. People didn't like it. He talked about loving your enemy. We cannot ask Jesus not to talk about those things because we don't like it. We are not letting Jesus be Jesus if we ask to do those things. Oh, please, Jesus, don't talk about the consequences of sin because I don't like it. If we only hear what we want to hear, then we are making a Jesus that is not the real Jesus. We are making this Build-A-Bear Jesus. Build-A-Bear, any of you? Yep. Let me explain you what Build-A-Bear is. I have a picture in there. Uh, a couple of months ago, our chiropractor, Dr. Dan, turned 50 years old, and he bought 50 bears. He spent a fortune on those things, I guess. And then he did this. He conducted a clinic of health and wellness, and he gave those um, bears to kids that came to the practice. Dr. Dan made a bear out of his image. This bear that he gave away had a healthy back, has a healthy heart. This bear eats carrots. This bear eats broccoli and exercises every day. See, Dr. Dan put some things in that bear, but it really left half of the store and all of the candy that that bear puts in their belly away. And he made that build a bear in his image. And we try to do those things with Jesus. We want Jesus to be the one we want. And we cannot create Jesus that never talks about consequences of rejecting God. We can't. We cannot create a Jesus that comes with an easy to obtain ticket to heaven that comes in a form of sprinkling water or a little prayer that someone asks you to pray a long time ago. And then you go on living your life as you were, trashing people all over the place and making all these excuses but not following the rules of the reward system. And then because you pray the prayer or you got water on your forehead, then you are all set. That is not a real Jesus. That is a bill, a bear, Jesus. Real Jesus is nothing like that. Real Jesus expects a lot of, out of his followers. He came to earth and spoke very honestly about everything. And that is one of the most loving things you can do to people. Speak honestly about what's going on. Lovely, honest. Maybe you have... Have you ever read something the real Jesus said that it was honest but harsh? And you go, wait a minute, Jesus, why did you say that? Well, you know, the disciples they dis did the same thing. The 12 disciples were there, and Jesus will go and say something that it was probably not kind in their, in their mind. And Peter will pull him on the side of, what's going on, man? Why are you saying those things? Numbers are going to go down after this, you know? And he said, devil, back the line, you know, I'm going to say it the way it is because I am here in connection with the Father. And sometimes we think of those things and we want Jesus just to be this Jesus that is kind and loving, but it's not the real Jesus. So there's a story in one of the Gospels that says that a, 
a man, um, a religious leader came to Jesus and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus looked at him and said, do you know what you want? Uh, what? You know the foxes, you see those foxes in there? They have a den that they are going to go tonight. You see the birds right there? They have a nest. I have no idea where I'm going to put my head tonight. And it's like 4 o'clock already. So you probably are going to last three days, and then things are going to be a little, you know, different than how you expected, and then you're going to quit because it didn't go the way you wanted. Mm, that sounds very kind to you. There is another man that comes and said, Jesus, I think I'm going to follow you. I really like you. I really like what you have to say. But man, time is really hard right now. You know, my dad is dying. My dad is dying, and he's just, he just cannot make it right now. As soon as he dies, then I'll follow you. Where are you going to be? Do you know? And you have your agenda ready? And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. It's not an excuse. Follow me right here, right now. Is that sounds kind to you? Jesus is kind, but he's honest, and he is the truth. So instead of saying things like, um, I'm sorry about your dad. Where does he live? You know, maybe I can go pray for him. Maybe I can heal him. I'm very good at that. He didn't say those things. He said, if you are not ready to bring the shovel, to dig the hole where you are going to die, don't even bother, buddy, because this is going to be hard. This is not going to be easy. And you need to say, yes, I'm going to follow you. So don't try to make a Jesus that is not the real Jesus. Read him first. You know, get one of those old-fashioned, now they're old-fashioned, red-letter edition Bibles. Those are the words of Jesus. He spoke those words. Read through them. Read the gospel, as Rob just uh, suggested. Following Jesus is one of the hardest things I have done in my life. But it's very rewarding. It opened the eternal life, and it changed the way I walk every day, sometimes better than other days. Then many of us grew up in the church. Many of us knew all the stories that they taught us. So our picture of Jesus is the Sunday school Jesus that doesn't talk about the consequences of sin, that doesn't talk about the afterlife. And no one made more shocking statements about the afterlife than Jesus. He started his ministry after being baptized, and he shows 12 disciples. People started to follow him, and he sees off the crowd, and then he goes on top of the mountain, and he starts preaching his longest sermon, the Beatitudes, or Bienaventuranzas. Say that word three times. Huh? Matthew 5.11, it says this. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and says all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. <laughs> Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Let me say that last part again. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. 
everything we do here and now has an impact in heaven in the future. He's not asking you to be miserable for him. He's just saying, don't stay in that misery for that long. It's going to happen, you know. Don't dwell in there. Move on. Let them mock you because what is coming after, it is much better than what you see right here and right now. And that just, just that thought can transform the way you live your life right now. The second key, the second key is about your behavior. This second key unlocks the door to your reward program and determines the how are you going to spend eternity. How are you going to do this? The reward is for doing. Actually, it's an individual thing. It's not a family plan like your cell phone, you know, and we all share the minutes. What do you do with the gifts I gave you? The Lord is going to ask you. He's going to say, what? I gave you a gift. What do you do with it? That is the second key. It's the behavior. What do you do with your um, salvation, with your eternal life? So for doing, I will get stars. And how do I keep the stars? How do they, do I have to wait to heaven, to go to heaven to cash my rewards? That will be worse than the Starbucks program, huh? No way. No, 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 no. Remember that we are able to experience the kingdom of right now. And then not yet. Remember that? So the first key unlocks the where are we going to go? The second and how will we spend eternity? And now the how, what are we going to do with the gifts God gave us? I know that talking about all these things, judgment and afterlife is not easy, but I'm going to tell you something. God is merciful and just at the same time. And that is impossible for a human being. God entrusted judgment to Jesus and only Jesus. So go with me with, to uh, John 5, 22. I'm going to read John 5, 22 to 24. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge. So that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. Those who li listen to my message, message, this is Jesus, and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. According to this passage, then, there are three rewards that a believer gets. And here they come. They're in your insert. A reward program. Think about it. Okay? For the believer, eternal life is a present reality. For the believer, judgment is over. For the believer, condemnation is no longer possible according to the scripture that we just read. This reward program is awesome, so different than the one from Starbucks. I don't have to come and visit a million times to get a free coffee, you know? The program in Starbucks, as we saw 
was not foolproof and failed to deliver. But the life that God rewards is rich and satisfying life. And we can enjoy it right here and right now. Revelation 21.4 says, Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. There is so much more, friends, waiting for us in heaven. There is so much more. And Jesus is going to look at you and he's going to say, what did you do with the gifts I gave you? And then you're going to say, well, you know, I fed the poor, I went to visit, I taught. You know, what is it? What is in your reward system? And I'm just going to explain something. And Jeff and Alan, my husband and son, for the ones that are our guests today, I'm going to make a revelation today. When I die, I want you to bury me with a fork. <laughs> I'm one of 11, uh, nine children, 11 in my house total. See? My mom, every day, sat the table for us. And the 11 of us needed to be present to eat dinner. The 11 of us. We were not going to eat until all of us were there. Back in the day, huh? And she will sit, and she will give us first the salad and a glass of water. Smart lady. She gave us the vegetables, and she packed our bellies with water first. You know, not feeding all these people. And then... She will say, let's clean the table from the salad, but keep your fork. And guess what? Dinner was coming. A really great meal. A really great meal was coming. And only once in a while, we will clean the dinner tables, uh, plates and bowls. And we were cleaning. She would say, ah, keep your fork. Oh, we have dessert. <laughs> dessert is coming. Something better, even better was coming. So when I die, I want my fork here. Ready. I'm ready. Put a big mug of two because the coffee that is coming is going to be better than the Starbucks. <laughs> because Jesus and I will have a lot to talk about. And as I was thinking about today and I was praying Believe me, I have never prayed so much for a topic like today. Um, I, I, I remember this revelation uh, passage that talks so much about hope, that there will be no more crying, no more crying, no more tears, and no more pain. And I found this little book from 1943, right there in Jeff's, you know, library that is so packed. And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to close with this. Let's see what C.S. Lewis, from 1943, Mere Christianity, says about the afterlife. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing of water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, 
the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my early pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably early pressures, pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on one hand never to despire of or be unthankful for these early blessings. In another, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I will shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snow under or turn aside. I must make it the made object to live of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. Here are the two reward cards in one. He said in w the first one is to press on the other country, first key, and to help others to do the same, second key. So friends, I'm just going to ask the worship team to come and I just want you to reflect on this message. I want you to ask yourself, who is in charge of your reward program? What kind of rewards do you have? How many stars? Do you know your gifts and how to use them? Maybe you don't know that Jesus, the Christ, who is in charge of the reward program. We're going to have communion after that. And Rob is going to come and, and close us. So we're going to stand up and start worship.